What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. As y'all know, we like to drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes have super dope guests and a look at multiple headlines and some shout outs and all that good stuff. And those come out every two weeks in between those episodes. We like to drop these passing periods. You know what, Jeff? Do you think the audience understands that we we call it passing period because it's kind of like in between our, our class sessions that are our full episodes? They get that, right? I think we have the smartest audience out there, Manuel. We in, do. Uh, in the education podcast universe. And so, yes, I think they get that. But for anybody who might be tuning in for the first time today, uh, that was a that was a helpful reminder. Yeah, you know, you know I we, just thought, you know, we throw that out there or, you know, a little, little passing period, uh, informal talk between teachers uh, in the hallway as students pass by and and all that good stuff. And we, you know, we talked about some stories on this, on these po- uh, passing periods, some stories that maybe didn't make it into our full episodes or maybe stories that develop in between our full episodes, because of course that happens. And the big story that we're going to spend most of today talking about is the, uh, Los Angeles Unified School District's new vaccine mandate. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into that as our passing period topic. But first, we'd be you know remiss if we didn't point out that this is 20 years, 20 years since 9/11. And Jeff, I just wanted to, I, I guess, share with you that you know in my U.S. history courses and my American government courses, of course we we discussed 9/11 and, and we learned a bit about it, but. This year was, especially since, you know, it's the 20 year, 20 year mark. And I decided with the, with the Afghanistan pullout happening and students having a lot of questions around that, you know, I kind of just set aside this, this past week to, to explore the, the, the weight of 9-11 with students. And Jeff, I just want to share with you, because I know um, a lot of your work is with administrators and perhaps you haven't had a conversation with uh, a modern day young person about 9-11, but I was pretty surprised to find out that a large share of my seniors and my juniors had never actually seen the footage of the planes striking the World Trade Center. And I bring that up because in part of our discussion of of 9-11 and, and what happened afterwards, we watched a few different um, you know, documentary pieces and, and you know, we had a bunch of conversations and it was so silent after after some of the footage of the planes hitting the building. And I, I asked students, you know, when you had seen that before, right? And, and so many of them were like, I actually never saw that. And I, as an educator, as a classroom teacher, I realized I kind of just assumed that they have already seen a lot of the heavier parts of it. And we're going to kind of uh, spend more, more of our focus on on what came next and, and why Afghanistan's in the news again. But yeah, I was really surprised by that, Jeff. But here we are 20 years later, man. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years later, and um, it's, it's really interesting, Manuel, because I feel like maybe we're now getting to the point where the, um, the treatment of September 11th as like a moment in history, so, you know, quote unquote, a moment in history, as opposed to a raw, like kind of emotional wound, if you will. Um, I think we're starting to like evolve into that space because there's a generation of kids who were born after it who are now old enough to like be part of the conversation, right? They're yep. they're 
high school seniors and college freshmen and stuff, right? And they're like taking classes about what happened on September 11th and they have no memory of it, right? And also those of us who lived through it, those of us who, um, you know, I, I think our, you know, our audience knows I lived in New York for a long time and, um, you know, after, I moved to New York after um, September 11th, but um, certainly the ripple effects of it are, you know, are still, were still very present then and I think even today still are present um, in New York City and uh, you know, I, Manuel, on September 11th was actually back home in Minnesota. It was my senior year of college. I was supposed to be playing football, but I had to go home. I, I missed my senior year because I had uh, ankle surgery. And so I had the surgery back home and I was uh, still there. I hadn't like gone back yet to um, rejoin the team because I had, um, I was like, you know, still in the cast and like just doing the immediate recovery. So I was literally at work that day it, with my cast. I was a cashier. My friend was a manager at a gas station and I was working at the gas station just trying to, you know, get some money <laughs> for school. And uh, so I was working the cash register one leg with a cast up on a <laughs> on a chair and uh, and sitting on a stool, um, you know, pay getting people cigarettes and lotto tickets and gas, okay? <laughs> and uh, it was early morning, of course, and a guy comes in, ghastly look on his face, and he's like, man, did you hear? They got the towers, and just like walks out. And I, this is before cell phones, all that kind of stuff. So I had no idea what he was talking about. I thought maybe he was crazy. Uh, and then as people came in, you know, we got, I got, was getting updates from strangers, effectively, Every few minutes as people came in and were like, hey, you got to, you know, you, you hear about this. And I didn't see the images that you were talking about until I got off work later in the afternoon and went home and and watched them on, you know, on CNN or something. And um, and then I drove back to college across country. And what I saw across this country, Manuel, was highway overpass after highway overpass going through Indiana, Ohio. Pennsylvania, uh, upstate New York, was um, was was scary. Was frankly very very scary. Was like you know real Islamophobia, real hatred, real anger and violence. It wasn't like peace. It was like these colors don't run. We got to go get them, bomb them yeah. before they bomb us. Kind of kind of messages. And um, and so all that to say, man, well, I think it's really interesting that like we are at this 20 year mark in a space where maybe we can kind of start to look at with our students what happened with like a little more distance. And I don't know if objectivity is the right word, but we can like study it as a thing that happened rather than um, just live in the in the personal um, trauma, collective trauma of it. Um, and, and I don't know if we've like fully made sense of the, of everything, you know, uh, about it. Right. Um, I mean, we have a memorial and museums and things now, and we have some of the stuff that like helps with the grieving. The war in Afghanistan is ostensibly ending, but the, the legacy of Islamophobia and this, you know, the ways in which that's permeated into our schools in our country, um, I think is, is very much still with us. So, um, you know, on this day, uh, you know, definitely want to send a shout out to everybody who was personally 
um, harmed, uh, you know, or had loved ones who were harmed uh, in New York or D.C. or Pennsylvania um, on this day 20 years ago. And also want to send a shout out to our to our Muslim, our Arab, our Middle Eastern brothers and sisters who have, um, you know, experienced tremendous violence, blowback, war, devastation as a as a result of what uh, what a group of, you know, fanatical uh, terrorists did on that day, um, you know, that they had nothing to do with, but have borne the brunt of American empire as a result. Yeah, man. Yeah, and for educators out there who are highlighting the the atmosphere of unity and and all that that came after 9-11, it's just uh, critically important to remember not everybody was included in that vision of unity, that um, that nationalism wave that we experienced after those attacks. And it's also incredibly important, I think, to have students consider with that that so-called unity and with that like you know politics aside where americans first this and that not only who who was harmed at home with that and obviously abroad with that but also what else could have been done like what else could have come from that you know we we're looking at trillions trillions spent on 20 years in afghanistan and I look at my students in my classroom now and I'm just like, what could that that investment have done for for them if we had invested that towards towards their education and their well-being? And if we had taken that that apparent unity and goodwill and um, invested it in a future generation that could build a world that is more humanizing and more loving and more together than the um, vengeful, hateful type of world that we ushered ourselves into after after those attacks when i say we i obviously mean just generally across the country but jeff man that's 9-11 anniversary of 20 years i think i don't know if anniversary is the right word anniversary doesn't feel like the right word but you know sharing with students about how momentous it was i i know for a fact a lot of them were probably sitting there thinking like that certainly was momentous and this pandemic here is also momentous and it seems to be never ending. And I'm sure there are young people who are who are considering that their experience in this pandemic is something that perhaps 20 years from now, they'll be trying to explain to a younger generation that wasn't there for it. And this pandemic ain't ending, Jeff, but your school, well, the school system that you most closely work with, they are, they're trying, they're trying to help wind it down um, and issuing some, some very totalitarian stuff over there in Los Angeles and those <laughs> radical, those radical public schools, oh, Jeff. Let's goodness. talk about that, man. What's what's going oh, down yes. in Los Angeles? Uh, I believe the phrase you're looking for, Manuel, is "my body, my choice," uh, which is yes. of course, which is of course now the new uh, right wing Christian fanatical uh, <laughs> uh, mantra. <laughs> not a, not about the ending of a woman's right to choose in Texas, but uh, but about their right to be super spreaders of a deadly pandemic. And just unironically, um, <laughs> unironically, my body, my choice. Like yeah, no, no, yeah, totally unironically. So yeah, we had huge news this week, Manuel. Like gargantuan, earth-shattering news uh, on September 9th. 
um, the Los Angeles Unified School District, the nation's largest, uh, second largest uh, school district, um, serving you know well over half a million students here in um, in Los Angeles proper, and in I think something like 20, 30 uh, small municipalities immediately surrounding Los Angeles as well, um, made a massive announcement indicating that um, that students will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 by January 10th of 2022. And that is, of course, students uh, who are 12 years, 12 years old um, or older, um, which is, of course, in line with the ages that the vaccine has been approved for at this point. Um, and then, of course, there's a provision that also says as your birthday comes up, you have to get your first dose within, uh, I believe it's 30 days of your 12th birthday and your second dose um, within eight weeks um, after that dose. Um, so massive policy shift, huge, I would say, honestly, like courageous leadership uh, coming from the Los Angeles Unified School Board. Um, and interim superintendent Megan Riley. Um, and I want to share a few statements that uh, folks in leadership at the district said. Um, uh, superintendent Riley said, quote, the science is clear. Vaccinations are an essential part of protection against COVID-19. The vaccines are safe, effective, and requiring eligible students to be vaccinated. It's the strongest way to protect our school community, end quote. Um, also, we heard from um, Dr. George McKenna, um, who is uh, on the school board, uh, the lone black member of the school board, who said, quote, mandatory immunizations for eligible students protect the entire L.A. Unified family. I am old enough to remember when polio crippled some of my classmates. In fact, school children received first, uh, received the first life-saving polio vaccination in 1954. Keep in mind that nationwide, more than 250,000 children were diagnosed with COVID-19 last week, end quote. And then um, lastly, Manuel, I want to share uh, some words from, um, uh, from someone who's been on the show with us a couple of times, a friend of the show and also school board member Tanya Ortiz Franklin, um, who said, quote, this vaccine mandate represents one of the greatest responsibilities we have at this moment to our students and one of the greatest opportunities for the future of our entire community. By ensuring all eligible students are vaccinated by January 10th and staff by October 15th, along with providing access to the vaccine as well as education about its benefits and risks, LA Unified is proudly doing all we can to protect and serve our most vulnerable populations, end quote. So, um, Manuel, I literally like jumped up and cheered when I saw this, um, <laughs> this policy. I texted you and I was like, yo, it's big news coming out of L.A. right now. Um, and I honestly, it's hard in a big bureaucracy like this to be happy and proud about, you know, <laughs> decisions that are made because everything's so complicated. But I think this personally, I believe strongly this is the right decision. Um, I believe we have our own version of a Hippocratic Oath as educators. It might not be something we say when we graduate from, from ed school, but it's certainly strongly implied, which is that we first must do no harm to our, to our students. And we have the obligation to preserve their safety and health um, in every way that we can. And, um, and you know, 
the vaccine, um, as someone who is a downright skeptic and, uh, and someone who is deeply mistrusting of large pharmaceutical companies and the corrupting influence they have in our government, um, this is the right move policy-wise. And um, we have plenty of evidence now to suggest the safety of the, of the vaccine and the, the risks with, especially with this Delta variant are no joke and no joke on children too, which is very different than what we saw with the Alpha variant, which was scary and risky enough. Um, and so I'm super proud that I get to work with a district that has made this courageous stance, the first major district uh, we reported a few weeks ago on Culver City, uh, which is a small municipality within Los Angeles that uh, also made a policy like this. But I love this this leadership. I'm sure there's going to be lawsuits. And I say, bring it on because they're going to lose. And this is great policy. So props to um, to the, the leadership at L.A. Unified for making this happen. Yeah, this is a big move, man. This is a big move. I mean, Culver City, that was bold. We talked about that last episode. As you said, that was bold for them to do that. Their first district that we're aware of that issued a vaccine mandate. But Culver City schools, it's really, really, really tiny school system compared to Los Angeles Unified. In fact, most school systems are really, really tiny school systems compared to LAUSD. So for Culver City to do that, it was bold. But also, they're you know geographically much smaller Uh probably less of a wide range of political backgrounds and all kinds of like, they don't stretch across such a wide area across so many different neighborhoods and so many different uh, different regions. So very, very big step for such a major district. So we're talking, it looks like a quarter of a million students who are uh, vaccine eligible, a quarter of a million students who, who, for whom this applies to. And that's a, that's, that's a giant number. So for the district to come out and say, yo, by next semester, you need to be fully vaccinated or you're not allowed on campus. You're going to have to kick it over there in independent study. That's big, man. That's really big. I, as a classroom teacher, now I don't teach in LA Unified schools, but I, I definitely fully support this because as a classroom teacher, yes, I am vaccinated. I believe Probably most of my students probably are also vaccinated, but I'm still incredibly concerned about that Delta variant and the possibility that an unvaccinated student in my room might pick it up from somebody else and take it home or pick it up from me and take it home, even though we're all masked up and one of their elders might be tragically affected or one of the infants in the in the household or some, you know, somebody else in the household. So I love that the school system is doing what it can to try to decrease the possibility of that happening. Cause it's not just the students in the classroom. It's not just the staff members on the campuses. It's also the homes, the households uh, within which these young people live and, and what are they taking back? And I know a lot of young people are super concerned about the pandemic and doing everything they can. I'm glad that they will be able to have the little bit of relief that comes with the school system saying, look, the, the kids sitting to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you, they, they're going to be vaccinated. And that that's some measure of, of support that doesn't currently exist. So I'm, I'm super down with that. And I'm hoping other districts follow suit. Now, the way it works around California, it tends to be that all the little districts that are around Los Angeles or around Southern California, a lot of them look to Los Angeles Unified to be the first to make like the big bold steps when it come when it came to closing schools down when the original 
when, at the start of the pandemic, a lot of school systems kind of waited for LA to do it first. And then it was like, okay, yeah, they did it. Uh, we too are going to remote learning. And it's just, it, it seems politically easier to make those big decisions when the biggest district outside of New York has already made that big decision. And if they're, if they could do it, then, you know, we could follow suit and whatever legal challenges come, you know, we'll, we'll ride behind LA as they battle those challenges. So I'm hoping that this opens the door for more districts, including my own, to issue something similar. I definitely want to shout out one of our, one of our listeners or one of our viewers, uh, Nolan Fossum. Uh, apologies if I, if I mispronounce your name, Nolan, uh, Nolan Fossum, uh, he, he, tweeted at us about the story and was like, did I just hear that? Like, y'all just talked about Culver City and now look, LA's doing it too. And he's like, yo, call out the rest of the districts uh, who haven't done this yet. And that's exactly what what I wanna do. Orange County, all the districts across Orange County, uh, Long Beach, San Diego for sure, my district, Pasadena, um, Elk Grove Unified up north, like all the districts across California. Look, man, online learning, independent study, that's that's there. That is there for folks who do not want their kids to be vaccinated. They do have the online option. So look, those folks who are showing up to campuses, the teachers, the staff members, all the, all the, all the students, like let's make sure they're vaccinated because this Delta variant is obviously incredibly scary. And like every every day you hear about some new variant out there, the, the what's the latest, the Mu variant, like it's, we got to bring this to an end. We have to do what we can. And I got vaccinated way back in, in March. And I'm not you know facing any of these crazy things that folks are saying happens when you get vaccinated. Like all that misinformation, disinformation that's out there is is just um is trash. And I love that the school one of the school board members pointed to polio in the in in the in the past and how school systems had to stand up to do something about that. And it's like, exactly right. Like we already require so many vaccinations for, for young people and for adults to be able to be on campus. We already do that. So this isn't something new. This isn't like a sign that the government is coming to take away our freedom. Like we've been doing this and it's about time we really step up to the plate and make sure our young people are as, as protected as we can uh, reasonably uh, ensure under the current conditions. So shout out to Los Angeles Unified and for all those other districts out there, yo, time is now, get it together, get it together. Jeff, I have classes, a few classes that are like upwards of 35, 36, 37 students in them. And it's just so many bodies in such a small space. And yeah, we have masks. Yeah, we have uh, air purifier and all that stuff. But honestly, man, I just, I just worry every day that one of these young people it's going to catch something and take it home and one of their one of their loved ones is going to be affected by it so i would feel so much more so much more at ease to the extent possible if i knew that at least everybody on campus is vaccinated that that would be a huge a huge relief for all of us so i'm with it i'm with it shout out to la and i i assume most of our listeners are also in support of something like this i don't think we have too many dedicated listeners who would be against something like this. So shout out to uh, everybody who's listening as well, who might feel a bit of relief for your young person going off to school. Of course, you know, if, if you're in the Los Angeles area, um, shout out to, to all of you too, because hope, hopefully you are as uh, relieved by this as, as we are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Manuel. And I, I think that it's interesting to me, right? Like I, on a certain level, in this moment, I can respect a person who 
uh, is well read and asking critical questions about uh, the vaccine. Um, I, th I think there's such an overwhelming amount of data, not only from this country, but around the world, that the vaccine is safe for people to take. Um, and that the very, very small, I mean, people do get some symptoms from your immune system's response to the vaccine, which is, uh, you know, which is natural and to be expected. But there is a small number of people who may experience some complication, right? Some sort of, you know, autoimmune response or something from the vaccine itself. Um, and, you know, that's real and should be considered. But um, what we are seeing right now with, with the Delta variant, I feel like, like we just have to be honest with ourselves, right? About what, we're, about what we're seeing. You're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your, to your own facts, right? And over this past week, children accounted for 27% of all coronavirus infections in LA County, okay? Now, I don't know what the actual math is, but I feel like people under 18, uh, you know, uh, that's roughly proportional to their, you know, their percentage of the population, right? They might be less than 27% of the overall population, frankly. Um, and so we're seeing either proportional or greater representation of them having corona positive coronavirus infections relative to the rest of the population. And um, we know for a fact from the most reckless parts of our country that people are, um, that children are getting much more seriously sick with Delta and um, that, you know, schools where they aren't wearing masks and this sort of things are deeply problematic and having to close and quarantine huge numbers of kids, right? So, like, you just have to look at this equation and say, like, it's almost, Manuel, in a really perverse way, like we have a controlled human trial happening in our, like, what should be an unethical human trial, which is like, let's give some people nothing and let yeah. them explore what happens with the spread of this deadly disease. And let's let other people get the obviously cheaply, freely available vaccine, face masks, ventilation, et cetera, right? And, uh, and it, you know, it's not even, the data isn't even close. What's happening in Florida, what's happening in Texas and Tennessee and Georgia, et cetera, is catastrophic for children and communities. And what's happening in LA and San Francisco and Pasadena and other places is concerning, but nowhere near what we're seeing over there. And the vaccine is going to help us uh, protect our kids. If you don't like the, <laughs> like, if you don't want to protect the kids, I just have to ask, what is wrong with you? What happened to you when you were a child or who hurt you to the point that you don't want to protect our children? Like this is a serious, like something, something ain't right with, with the gears clicking inside the head if you don't want to protect our children this way. And if you can't look at this equation and see this as, as at least a good faith effort to protect our children. If you just disagree because you disagree, I, you know, I guess we can agree to disagree. But... Um, it's, it's hard. I was talking to a um, high-ranking person within the district last week, let's say, and I said to this individual, Manuel, I can't believe 
that the argument that this person was like, what do you think the right message would be with people? And I was like, I can't believe that the right message is we're trying to save the lives of all the kids. Like, like that that message isn't yep. enough. That isn't the message where people are like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, my bad. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> what we were trying to do was keep the kids from dying and getting really sick. Keep the kids from having lungs that don't work right and kidneys that fail and developing autoimmune conditions down the road and all these things. Like, if that's not enough, I don't know what to say for you, man. But, like, we need, like we saw in LAUSD this week, we need courageous leadership that says, we're not waiting around for you people, man. Like, we're trying yeah. to save the children. And um, so I'm happy I get to work in this context. I think it's a, it's a great thing. And as you said... Let the dominoes fall now around California and nationwide. Like, this is the policy that we need. And if you don't yeah. like it, then you better pull your kid from public school because you can't be out here being a personal super spreader. Like, that's not an acceptable political yeah. stance. No, you're right. And you asked you ask the good questions about why... <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to protect kids? And the thing about it is I, I remember when the news broke and I, I saw some footage on uh, local news of folks outside of LAUSD. I don't know if it was headquarters or, or different schools or whatever, you know, protesting and being against this. And I saw one sign that said um, LA, uh, what something along the lines of, I guess LAUSD works for Satan. I'm like... <laughs> Okay, oh that sounds God. like somebody who perhaps uh, perhaps isn't someone that could be reasoned with. Perhaps that's not a person who, you know, isn't so much against vaccines, but just, you know, they're still got to do some of their own research and this and that. I'm like, well, okay. If those are the folks who are against this, then I guess they could just be mad. And I guess, like you said, they could just I get, pull their kids from public schools. If public schools are so terrible, I suppose, then that's what you got to do. But we are talking about a huge number of families that will be positively affected by being able to send their vaccine-eligible students to school and know that they're a vaccine-eligible student if they're working in groups or in this and that class or walking down the hallway, that they're around a whole bunch of other folks who are also um, vaccinated. I mean, I think that's just... It, it, it's a no-brainer to me, man, but we live in a world where there's no such thing as like a no-brainer anymore. Like everything's got to be political and crazy and wild. And Jeff, we are recording this on on September 11th of 2021. And on September 14th of 2021, there's a giant recall election. And it's possible, it's possible, depending on how it goes, that um, a, a, a California version of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, might, might take the helm. And in which case... This battle is only going to get more heated. So we shall see what happens there. But, you know, for now, shout out to LAUSD and catch up every other school system. Catch up, catch up. We got to get there, man. We got to we got to get this thing under control, man, and, and make sure our spaces are safe for our young people and for our staff. And um, yeah, man, that's that on that. Yeah, yeah. Chicago, New York, all them. San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland, calling you out. Let's get it cracking. Time for the free vaccine to go to all yeah. the children. Well, all, all eligible children. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that about does it for this week's passing period. But before we go, before we go, um, we definitely want to 
we definitely want to encourage you to, if you haven't already subscribed, do that because next week, next week we have a phenomenally dope guest, phenomenally dope guest, uh, Dr. Sosin Jaber, who will help us explore the, the challenges and the complexities of our school systems, interactions with and educating of and support for our Arab students, our, our Muslim students, uh, how we how we talk about Palestine in the classroom and, and a lot of very, very important uh, questions that we have for her to help us broaden our knowledge and how we could do better by, by our students who are so often, so often just fully erased from, from the curriculum, from education discussions and, and all of that. So definitely make sure you are here with us next week. And I think, I think, I think that's about it, Jeff. Am I forgetting anything? Um, I think the one thing you might be forgetting is that um, people who listen to the show and love the show are probably wondering how they can share the show with their friends, their family, their colleagues at work. And, you know, Manuel, the great news on that front is it's super easy. All you have to do is go to aotashow.com. That's aotashow.com. And on our website, you find all the links to everything, all the platforms, right? Facebook, Twitter, we're at AOTA Show. Um, you find our YouTube channel. You find our podcast, which is, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the billion other apps that people are using. Um, but we're out there, man. You can find us. Just go to AOTAShow.com and spread the love. That's all you got to do. Yeah, and leave us that um, five stars, you know, thumbs up, follow, subscribe, share, all the good things. <laughs> yes, the good things will be very much appreciated because yes. um, too often I get little notifications on my phone of like really not good comments, <laughs> usually from far right folks who are like, see, this is political indoctrination, critical race theory, this, that, whatever, whatever. And um, I would love to have uh, to see more notifications on um, the positive side of things because we know we know our audience they, they care about humanizing education spaces for students of all backgrounds. And they know this isn't political indoctrination and craziness. They know that this is actually, actually working towards a better, uh, better future for all of our young people. So yeah, leave us those little, little reviews, comments, positive thumbs up, all that good stuff. Help, help us drown out the noise that's out there. Um, much appreciated, much appreciated. But Jeff, man, that is, that, that is it for passing period, man. Bell's about to ring. We got to get back to class. We love y'all. Now get to class.